everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Input 2. I am your host, Tanner Kenny, and with me today I have two very great guests. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Uh, hi, my name is Trevor Sheffield. Spooky clowns scare me. And uh, I am Nick Black. Spooky clowns do not scare me. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad we have some opposing views here. Uh, I am very lukewarm about clowns. I did a whole I did a whole presentation on clowns, but you know, that was a uh, two years ago, one year ago. I don't even remember anymore. It's been a. I'm very good with time, but <laughs> we're not going to talk about time. We're not going to talk about clowns. We're kind of talking about a clown, one very well known clown, the Joker, Ooh. the villain the infamous villain of the Batman franchise series, uh, specifically in the newest version, the newest depiction of the character in Todd Phillips's magnum opus, <laughs> Joker 2019, oh, okay. starring Joaquin Phoenix and some other people. But before we get into Joker, let's get into a little bit about the... Because Joker is a product of the DC universe. Not necessarily the DC extended universe because this is a standalone film, but it's still connected to them in the sense that they're all DC films. And let's be honest, the DCEU has not been very good. What? Uh, it's very definitely been very troubled without a stable visionary at the helm of the projects. Cause sure you have Zack Snyder, of course, uh, Zack Snyder, famous visionary behind uh, man of steel, uh, Batman v Superman, uh, most of justice league, <laughs> big brain, Zack Snyder, <laughs> Zack Snyder with his, Galaxy brain. Oh, jeez. <laughs> With his galaxy brain, you know, it's fine. It's fine. We love Zack Snyder, but really, they weren't very palatable, you know. Mm. And I'm sure both. I'm sure you know a couple of both of you have some feelings about the DCEU, specifically one of their more embarrassing projects, 2016 Suicide Squad, which was you know the set of DC villains fighting against an even even greater villain, starring Will Smith. Uh, Margot Robbie and the man who can climb anything, uh, <laughs> and it featured Jared Leto's Joker, which it was. So let's. I'm curious before we get into the standalone project of Joker, uh, how have you felt the DC films have whelmed you so far? Uh, how do you how do you feel? You know, personally, uh, I was introduced to the DCEU with a very oh. I was introduced to the DCEU with a very early screening of the infamous Man of Steel. The most entertaining film part about that film, in retrospect, was the fact that the uh, exclusive tickets had, like, the Superman logo printed on them. Not, like, printed on them, but it's like it was cut out. Oh, wow. Uh, I personally feel that there is an angle that they're trying to take with the DCEU. I don't or is or was because they've sort of adjusted their trajectory. Right. Well, that's what they've always done. It's like the thing with the DCEU is that after every movie, they always kind of recalculated everything. Man of Steel does super well. Okay, let's get Batman in. On did there. it do super well? It did. It, fair. Did it do super well? Listen, box office wise, it did do super well. But in terms of critical wise, I not mean, really. I they were. Think. They had church screenings for it, so therefore it must do super well. <laughs> oh no! Uh, and then after Batman, everybody hated that. We all remember the infamous, the infamous things about Batman v <laughs> Superman. Uh, I'm not going to get into the. Literal, How do you know her name? How do you know her name? Martha. Martha. I, mean, I was more so referring to the jar full of urine. Uh, we, we don't need to talk about Granny Cream's uh, hot butter ice cream. Granny's peach tea. <laughs> we, can, we can skip Murder Man versus Captain but, Hypocrite. <laughs> but either way, um, 
Wonder Woman arrived in the last five minutes and saved the movie for a lot of people. So immediately they were like, okay, let's do a Wonder Woman movie. People really liked Wonder Woman. And we're not even going to get into the sheer madness that was Justice League. Justice League was great. It was fantastic. I love the fact that it didn't feel like one coherent movie. It felt like three different movies by three different directors. And it kind of was. Uh, what about you, Nick? Uh, how has the DC universe whelmed you? Uh, well, not well, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I think everyone has said everything about Batman v Superman, as, or, as I called it, Murder Man vs. Captain Hypocrite. <laughs> um, uh, and I agree that Wonder Woman was a great film, but I think the problem was that it was clear that they didn't have a plan, or that Zack Snyder's plan was super small compared to what the studio wanted it to be. Well, it's like with Justice League, he had a plan, like a full-on plan. He was going to do, like, Justice League was a two-parter where basically they were going to do Infinity War and Endgame without, like... Any of the years of prep? Any setup or anything like that? They had Cyborg and sweatpants, and as far as I can tell, that's as much as they had. Uh, <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the document in the, in, the, in the screening room. Zack Snyder just hands him, like, a crayon drawing of Cyborg and sweatpants. And the, He's the, the key war- to all this. He's a funnier character than we've ever had. <laughs> and Warner Brothers executives look up for the piece of paper, and they're like, is this art? <laughs> From a certain point of view. <laughs> and that's what the Snyder Cut is, actually. It's just oh, a piece. No. It's just that crayon drawing. <laughs> but it's like when it comes to Suicide Squad, I personally feel that in the next, like, 10 to 20 years, we are going to get a the Disaster Artist-style movie just about the sheer nightmare that was that production and most specifically the behavior of one Jared Leto. Oh, yes. We love Jared Leto. He is fantastic. He was a great Joker. Don't you agree, Nick? Wasn't Jared Leto's Joker fantastic? You could tell all of his personality by his forehead tattoo. Uh, yeah, and his crappy laugh, too. <laughs> and his pimpin' art style. Well, you have to remember, he didn't even smile once in that movie. He had his hand smile for him. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot yeah, yeah. He had, he had, I forgot he had a smile that. tattooed on his hand, so instead of laughing, he just held his hand up and uh, I guess his throat did something. His throat convulsed. Every time he left, yeah. I thought he was choking. I thought that was what's happening. He's the choker. The choker, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they sold those at Hot Topic. Oh, no. Joker chokers? Uh, they're pretty, I'm pretty sure the one in Muncie has it on clearance. That's good. Kinky. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, I don't shame those people. Uh, <laughs> but, man, yeah, Jared Leto's Joker was certainly not fantastic. But going back to the DCU, just very quickly, would you say that these are films that are way, that have good performances weighed down by bad writing, or is it bad perform, or is it good writing weighed? <laughs> is it good? You can do it. <laughs> is it work. good writing weighed down by bad performances? What would you say is? <laughs> Or, you know, direction, you know? I Who, mean... Uh, who's trying to save the ship? <laughs> I mean, my feeling about Henry Cavill is that I feel like he has the potential to be a really good Superman. But the problem is that in the case of Man of Steel, they gave him nothing to work with. And then in Batman v Superman, a film where he, he is literally one of the title characters, he is literally given nothing to deal with. He had like 43 lines famously. Oh, yeah, right. Where it's like he was famously much more of like a plot device than an actual character in his own movie. That's fine. And it's just, gah. Yeah. What, what do you think, Nick? What do you think is the, what was the main problem with some of the earlier DCEU films? 
Uh, well, I think it, it's not just uh, the. I, I believe it's it's the direction. It's not really the performances because Ben Affleck, I felt like performed a great Batman, but it was yeah. worn down by the fact that. You know, when you see a Batman killing someone, you're like, that's not Batman. <laughs> and if you think he doesn't, you're wrong. You're living in a hacking fantasy world. <laughs> so when you see, like, Batman's arguing Superman, like, hey, I value human life more than you ever will, and he's blowing up people and, like, setting buildings <laughs> on fire, it's like, hmm. No, but Batman's the good guy with the gun. Yeah, no, his car's a giant taser. Didn't you play Arkham Knight? <laughs> oh. He needs to patent that technology. <laughs> he can oh. save way more lives. <laughs> It's yeah. only minor Dane Bramage. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The DCEU has been a train wreck. But some of the more recent films have been not, not that bad. I liked Aquaman for what it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My yeah. man. My man. Uh, I liked... I, I've heard Shazam was pretty good. I didn't actually get a chance to see it. Yeah. Uh, was it... What did you did you see Shazam, Nick? I saw Aquaman. I didn't see Shazam. Okay. I am in the same boat. I did hear a lot of good things about. Shazam. Yeah, I'm sure Shazam is lovely. Uh, but let's get back to talking about some clowns, because uh, <laughs> there's more than just Jared Leto who's played Joker. A lot of people have played the Joker on the on the big or small screen uh, since the 1960s uh, with uh, Cesar Romero. Uh, who played Joker? Who played the Joker on the '60s Batman show? He actually is underappreciated for the work he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> Do we want to talk about the mustache? Uh, yeah, I'm going to bring up like it, the guy it, didn't shave off his mustache. For yeah, the no, no. That's because it's like he, at that time, if I remember properly, there were very few like Latin actors on TV, and so it's like the reason why he didn't shave off his mustache. It was a sign of pride for him. Hmm. You know. You know what? I respect that. And that's why we think that he is a definitely a good Joker. Uh, Jack Nicholson from 1989's Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Hamill, oh, who has played the Joker in almost every single animated version of the of the character. Uh, uh, I can't think of any version of the Joker that's I, animated that does not include him, aside from Zach, Galifian- Zach Galifianakis playing Lego Batman. Well, if I remember properly, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I do remember that in one of the Arkham games, they had, I think, Troy Baker. Oh, Troy Baker. It was or, then, it was Origins. And then in another case, I think they had John DiMaggio play him. I oh. think it was in, like, Under the Red Hood, one of their, like, uh, DC animated movies. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Heath Ledger probably has done one of the definitive versions of the Joker. Yeah. Definitely the definitive film version. When people think the Joker, they think of Heath Ledger's Joker. Uh, whether that's because he gets memed on you know, the Joker's trick, uh, you want to know how I got these scars. Uh, you know, all those great moments. And The Dark Knight was a good movie. It's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. And we'll not talk about Rises. <laughs> uh, Rises was not a film. <laughs> I do not remember going to see that day one in theaters with my dad and walking out of the theater and all of us were like, wow, that was a waste of our time. Batman. <laughs> Batman. I finally adopted the dog. I was born on it. Oh, Batman. Molded by it. <laughs> Great discussion. Great commentary <laughs> coming from Input 2 once again. Uh, then apparently Gotham, Gotham TV show has a version of the Joker. Yeah, uh, Cameron yeah. Monaghan? Cameron Monaghan? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I haven't watched Gotham. Uh, I neither. have. I have actually watched it. He performs a good uh, Joker, but it's weird. And he have he does like two Jokers. It it's very um, soap opery where it's like he has a twin and they're both crazy. <laughs> so yeah. so it's Arkham Knight. Yeah, sort of like that. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, good, wonderful. I love Arkham Knight, of course. Uh, then we have Jared Leto, who mm-hmm. we've already talked about. You know, he's yeah. a character. 
Definitely not the Joker. Uh, Zach Galifianakis as Lego Joker. Yeah, it's... Um, honestly, I really liked his depiction of the character. It's like... I'm not going to go into it too much, but there's a lot of what they do in the Lego Batman movie that it's a real shame that we'll never have any of that characterization kind of branch over into the mainline Batman canon. Because arguably, in my opinion, I think it's the closest that these movies have ever come to actually trying to address Batman's flaws as a character. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're right. Uh, And of course, uh, Xander Mobis plays Joker in Persona 5 and Super Smash Bros. (laughs) (laughs) One joke. There's my one reference to Persona 5. And if I reference it again, uh, this whole podcast is invalid. I never Uh, saw it coming. and, And finally... Joaquin Phoenix as Mm. Joker 2019. So uh, going back through this list, uh, just real quick, not including Joaquin, whom's had the best Joker, you think? Uh, uh, It's like aside from Zach Galifianakis in like animation, it's like it's either Galifianakis or Hamill in my book. But otherwise, if we're talking like a live action Joker. Any portrayal of the Joker. Oh. And like what? Yeah. So any portrayal. What do you think is the best? Uh, I've already talked about Zach Galifianakis, but I feel that one of the best Jokers we've ever gotten is Hamill. Solely because, in a lot of ways, he gets to the core of the character. And it's like, he isn't afraid of... There's a lot of death, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's, it's hard to explain. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Nick? Who's the best Joker? Uh, well, I agree with Hamill. I believe Hamill's probably the best voice Joker. Uh, but I'll actually give... a. Cameron uh, Monaghan some love as uh, Jeremiah mm-hmm. on Gotham. I feel like it's a it's a Joker that knows Bruce Wayne's identity, similar to the uh, Telltale games. Oh, but it's very interesting how he says like you know we need to be more connected and related. So it's a good performance. Yeah, uh, I I'm so glad that you batted for Gotham Joker because I had no idea. And I I read uh, an article that talked about the different Jokers, and they're like this guy does a good job. Oh, he's got the laugh down. He's mm-hmm. got the ma- the mannerisms down. It's it's very well done. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So uh, before we crack into, because we're getting real close, <laughs> what makes a good performance of the Joker character? What do you want to see when you go into a Joker film for the Joker? What I want to see when I when I go into a Joker movie, I want a person who has charisma and is just as capable of being a clown, just as capable of being a very funny actor and being able to kind of sweep up an audience as much as they are kind of cunning and devious and able to basically pencil trick the guy, you know? I want you to be able to, you know, take me from being, you know, from making me laugh to making me be horrified by your actions immediately after. Mm -hmm. What What do you think, Nick? Uh, well, I think I agree with that. The ability to go from back and forth between, you know, f- uh, funny and terrifying, you know, those axe crazy type villains uh, where, you know, you're supposed to be afraid of them, but at the same time, you love every second they're on screen. Uh, sort of like a, I hate to compare it, but like a Tim Curry Pennywise, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I bet Tim Curry would have made a, made a good Joker. You know? He's got the charisma to pull it off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think those are some very important aspects. And we'll get into whether or not Joaquin Phoenix can be the clown once we get into Joker 2019. This film is directed by Todd Phillips of the Hangover sequels fame, uh, War Dogs, starring Miles Teller, everyone's least favorite actor, uh, (laughs) Starsky and Hutch, and some other very underwhelming comedies. Uh, And it's also written by Todd along with Scott Silver. Uh, The production budget was $55 roughly. Uh, and it grossed 281 million worldwide. 
uh, beating out Venom, and I believe it also beat out The Dark Knight Rises. Wasn't there something that said it's like it's now the highest grossing October opening of all time? Uh, I did not see that, but it would not surprise me because October is not exactly like a booming month for for movies. Yeah, because yeah, I distinctly remember seeing an article that said that it beat out one of Venom's records or something. Ooh, mm. okay, yeah. Uh, and this film has an has a sixty eight percent critic rating uh, and a ninety percent audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Of course, stars Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, Robert De Niro as uh, television host Murray Franklin. Uh, Zazie Beats as uh, one of Joaquin Phoenix's delusions, uh, Brett Colin as Thomas Wayne, and Francis Conroy as Penny Fleck. And uh, I have some reviews here, and we don't need to read through them just because, just for time's sake, we are not going to read. Eh, eh, you know what? I'll read through a couple of these. Uh, here's a positive review from uh, Moira McDonald. And I like to note, and the top critics on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, because that's usually where I go to find reviews for re- this for the show, because it's a good review aggregate. Uh, there was only one woman who gave Joker a fresh rating, and that was Moira. Uh, I believe she was the only one, and she gave it a two point five out of four, so it was barely fresh. Just an interesting note that there was only one woman who gave it a positive <laughs> positive score. I wonder why. I wonder why. Uh, so here's what she had to say about it. Joker is an exploration of what causes a lonely, unhinged man to explode, and it has moments that are riveting. All right. Uh, and then here is another woman's opinion. Uh, Katie Walsh of the Chicago Tribune. This is a more negative take on it. Joker is resoundingly one note throughout the majority of its running time. Phillips mistakenly mistakens. Uh, what the heck? What? I, I put this in wrong. Uh, but it's pro- Joker. Uh, Phillips mistakenly mistakes unrelentingly grim for profound which just renders the film punishingly dull. And if I didn't butcher that quote, it would have been much better. But, <laughs> yeah, essentially, you know, uh, there's this film is very grim, very dark, very much a think piece, very much a character-driven piece. Yeah. Uh, and Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun gave it a positive review, and Brian Lowry of CNN gave it a negative review. And they both had their own different takes on why they did not see the film as good or not good. Uh, wow, that was really good English. Uh, yeah. Big big fan. So just let's start with some brief general thoughts. What do you think a week after? So we saw this film last week uh, for Bite at the Movies. What do you think about Joker now that it's settled for a little bit of time? In all honesty, my thoughts haven't really changed that much from the Bite of the Movies review. I still don't think the movie is very good. I think it misattributes. It's like the the quote said, where it thinks that, okay, if I could be punishingly dark, if I can snuff out any form of light and just bathe myself in pure, unadulterated cynicism, then maybe I can be smart. Maybe I can be art. <laughs> exactly. And... It it reminded me of something I saw somebody say online where a lot of superhero movies, you know, in order to be good, more often than not, they wear the shell of another movie. And in this case, I can't say – this is one of the few situations where this movie, it only succeeds by wearing the shell of a movie like Taxi Driver. And you're only allowed to say Taxi Driver once because that is – 
Everyone has said it. This movie is just Taxi Driver. Amazing. Let's let's ignore Taxi Driver from here on out. <laughs> All right. What did you think, Nick? Because uh, you saw it again recently. Yeah, I saw it a second time. So uh, the first one we did it by the movies, I said I wouldn't recommend it. And I still hold to that on my second viewing. I, I liked it more on my second viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, what changed? Uh, well, a few things changed. Uh, the first thing that changed was I felt like... I felt like I was more prepared going into it, maybe. <laughs> um, and I feel like I enjoyed more of that third act more. I still stand by that first half being too sort of dull and boring, but that third act when stuff picks up, I started to enjoy myself more watching it. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, so one of the goals of this film was that it wanted to be a more serious movie rather than a comic book movie, as you touched upon with it wearing the shell of another film. Uh, and of course, that film is... We are not allowed to mention again because I have decided that it's not allowed. Uh, Martin Scorsese, uh, of course, was a huge inspiration for Phillips uh, during the production of the movie. So do you think it achieves its goals of being a more serious film than a comic book movie? No. No? No, dear God, no. Uh, what about you, Nick? No. No? no. Okay. Uh, what, what, are, what are some of the reasons for that? It, Like I said, it... it refuses to actually view the character of the Joker in, you know, objectively, in a sense. It portrays him, as the film goes on, as being this kind of folk hero, striking it to the rich and fighting for the man-man, without really recognizing why we kind of loathe and love the character to begin with. And I realize that it's a separate interpretation of the Joker character, but in terms of how the lead character, Arthur Fleck, becomes the Joker and how that kind of impacts his character arc and the world around him. It just feels... It feels on par with the poetry you would find in a 14-year-old's notebook. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, very much MySpace. Like, you can hear the MIDI of uh, Welcome to the Black Parade playing while you're looking at this, like, ugly red and and black, like, web page. It's like, hello, welcome to my junior diary. I have very sad thoughts. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if an earlier version of the costuming for the Joker would have included a long, dark Organization 13 trench coat. (laughs) Please please sign the guest book. Uh, Like my, share my page. Thank you. Uh, What what are some of the things that didn't work for you, Nick, in terms of it being a more serious piece? Um, Well, I feel like it was trying so hard to, like, get away from that comic book style that it didn't realize comic books can be serious too. Like, I feel like it should have basked in the fact that it was more of a comic than try and, like, separate it from it. So it it suffers from a lot of similar problems that the Zack Snyder projects did. Sort of like that, yeah, where it's like, it's it's all right to have, like, a dark film, like, think back to movies like John Wick, which are dark, but there are cases where they bring out, like, more humorous moments to, you know, bring it back in for the movie. Mm. Yeah, this movie has very little in terms of it's very much a long sludge of just unrelenting depression and sadness. And, you know, sometimes that's fine. Sometimes that can be refreshing, especially in a world of a lot more bright and cheery superhero movies, even when they don't necessarily need to be. But, you know, a lot of Marvel movies do a good job of balancing both negative and positive aspects like it does even though i get tired of the quips the the, the never ending quips <laughs> the the marvel movies know when to like sit down and be like okay we need to take this a little seriously right now guys we things are bad 
Uh, we need to talk about it. But Tanner, those are theme parks and therefore not movies. You're right. So saith Martin Scorsese. Yeah, uh, director of Taxi Driver. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll just move on to talk about some of the production uh, aspects of it. Uh, during production, Phillips showed interest in creating a low-budget character piece for a DC villain, although not necessarily the Joker. This was back in 2014. Uh, he felt that it would di- help differentiate DC's projects from Marvel projects. And to do this, he sought to emulate Scorsese films, as we talked about. Uh, so how does this film work to be a character study of the Joker? In what ways does it do this? And how does it succeed? How does it fail? You know, uh, what, what do you think, Nick? Uh, well, I feel like if you're trying to do a character piece, a Joker is a decent shot at it. Um, but how it fails really is there's not much for you to want to continue watching the character piece. Okay. That makes sense. There's no real reason to want to keep watching it. Like, there's no, like, you feel like there's, like, no hope for it. And, you know, sometimes that can work for a character study. So it's like a foregone foregone conclusion. Like, we already know who the Joker is, so this prequel story is sort of just, like, whatever. Oh, yeah. Especially since it's titled The Joker. It's like, you know what's going to end up happening. So when you're watching, you see all these bad things happen, you're just, like... Let's cut to the pink. Yeah, we already know what's going to happen. Yeah, cut to cut to the theater. Oh, Zero Zoro is up there on the marquee. Oh, oh no. no. There comes the guy oh, with the gun. You know? uh, oh, the go. pearls. Here we go again, everyone. I love bats. Uh, what about you, Trevor? I Here's the thing. With the Joker, there's not really... It's like in most of the comics, they've gone out of their way not to paint a definitive origin for the character. Whilst, obviously, we can point to the killing joke and other stories in that ilk that kind of try to give a reason as to who the Joker is, ultimately, I can commend the film in trying to give its own take on a Joker-style character. However, by trying to paint him as a hero of sorts, it almost completely misses the point. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, Uh, I think that's a good thing to mention. Uh, so yeah, uh, moving on. The script of the film was uh, ri- allegedly written by Joaquin in mind for the Joker. It was always intended to be this grim, dark examination of the character, and it was given an R rating because of its violent content. Uh, so how does Joaquin do as a Joker? Um, well, here's a fun fact. I liked his dancing sequences. <laughs> It's His like, ten minute long dancing sequence. Here's a fun fact. Apparently, the scene after he uh, messes with the scum bums on the subway, and he goes into a like a, a dingy restroom and starts, you know, just doing the mambo number five. <laughs> Apparently, that was wholly improvised. Good. And that changed the entire movie, from what I've heard. And while I do like how he portrays the character, at times it almost feels like he's trying too hard to play this almost kind of incel archetype, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? How, how, in terms of, like, not just him as the Joker, but other Jokers, how does, what, what does Joaquin do well? What does he not do well? Um, I think he does well playing at, you know, the, the crazy person. I can fully believe that he's playing a crazy, insane individual who's very psychopathic and can murder people willy-nilly because he wants to and he likes to. The problem is that I can never compare him to, say, other Jokers, mainly because when I think of the Joker, I think of someone who goes up, who can go up to Batman, be like a criminal mastermind type character. Mm-hmm. 
This is like an average Joe. <laughs> you don't see that, like, at least in this movie, you don't see uh, Joaquin's Joker as somebody who can lead an army of thugs. I see it I see it more as, like, this would have been better if it wasn't even Joker. I feel like if this wasn't even called Joker, it was just an origin of one crazy dude, like a character study, it would actually improve. Hmm, that's an interesting thought. Uh, would that? But if we, if we went into that kind of character study of just, like, a serial killer, an unstable crazy person... Uh, without the Joker and the DC ties to it, would this movie have even been funded? Would this movie have been given the light of day? Because this movie is very much grim, and it's had a lot of controversy because of its content. So, This is Todd Phillips we're talking about. He does have some impressive names under his belt, but... Yeah, like Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's like in recent years with his movies... He's gone progressively darker and darker to the point where it's like the Hangover series. It started out, oh, it's three wacky boys. They got drunk, and now there's a tiger in the room. And in the third movie, one of the main characters has to go to a mental hospital because he treats his parents like slaves and killed a giraffe on the freeway. Did, what? what? Yeah, happened? I'm not kidding. That, Those are real movies. That's crazy. And, it's like, and without even getting into his personal politics, we, we can always get into that later. Yeah, we will get into that later. <laughs> I genuinely feel like this movie would not have been made without the Joker branding to it. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Nick? Um, I, I mean, I agree. If you want a big studio like Warner Bros. to uh, fund it, you're going to have to do something like Joker and do superheroes, and that's all the rage. But I feel like there are still... A handful, and when I say handful, I mean like droppings of studios who could fund it. I feel like Blumhouse might support this oh, movie. Oh, Blumhouse would mm. definitely probably support it. Uh, I think that they'd be a little more like controlling of it, though. Yeah. I don't know if they would have given Todd Phillips full reign to do what he wanted to do. I'd, I'd agree with that, too, yeah. Just because Blumhouse, you know, they ha- they want a very certain type of movie, unless they have, unless it's a Jordan Peele piece yeah, or yeah. one of the, an actual director. Uh, I don't know if Todd Phillips necessarily has the acclaim for Blumhouse to be like, okay, you can make a movie. You don't have to make uh, Happy Death Day. You don't have to make this. Or whatever, that awful Christmas movie that we saw. Uh, no, it's a remake of Black Christmas. Black Christmas? Okay. That, that like, one where like sorority girls get killed or something. Yeah, there's like a fraternity that's also a cult. Well, they all are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh, oh no! Yeah, so you know we tu- you touched upon Todd Phillips's politics and some of the things he said. So Todd Phillips, director of Hangovers Part Two and Three, well, masterpieces. He did all three. Yeah, okay. he did all three. He did all three. Uh, War Dogs, Starsky and Hutch, and other great comedy movies. He has made some comments as to why he believes comedy is a quote-unquote dead genre. Uh, And who does he blame? Who does he blame? Twitter. Mm. (laughs) He blames the libs. He blames the libs. It's the libs' fault that comedy is dead. Of course, ignoring all the great comedies that have come out recently. And we're not going to list them here because that is a very long list. There's a lot of good comedies out there. Uh, So in an interview with Vanity Fair, uh, Philip said... Uh, there were articles written about why comedies don't work anymore. I'll tell you why. It's because all the f- funny people are like, because I don't want to offend you. Mm. So, 
Todd Phillips, and he later in the interview expanded his thoughts about why he thinks, you know, it's, it's just easier to not get into arguments with Twitter. You know, you can't say anything anymore because the Twitter mob will come after you. Oh, shoot, I accidentally did a racism. <laughs> I'm canceled, guys. Uh, so with Phillips' thoughts in mind, with his politics in mind, how does that change the perception of Joker and the things that are discussed? And feel free to discuss, like, aspects of the narrative that you feel fit into what's going on with Phillips. As the movie goes on, it starts to paint Joker as more and more this weirdly Trumpian figure. Not in the sense that, oh, he's just taking advantage of, you know, the lower class to advent- to give himself an advantage, but more so painting himself as what they see him as, as like this champion of the weak and downtrodden, this this warrior for free speech and, you know, eat the rich. Well, not, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, especially in the final act of the film where the Joker literally goes on a monologue about how you can't, nobody could take a joke in this, this we society. Live, we live in a society. Where nobody could take a joke. <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the sequel to this film was a Netflix stand-up special with the word trigger, trigger in the world. Oh, man. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. He's back on it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh no! What about you, Nick? Because you've seen it twice now, and yeah. the first time, did you ha- did you know about this going into the movie the first time? No, I did not know it was going to have anything like political in it uh, the first time. And now knowing that and going in the second time, I started to find like more things, like the more Trump narratives, like like uh, how like he seems to enjoy more the spotlight rather than the message and stuff like that. Yeah. And he, uh, Joker himself, in the movie says like he gets at because he's wearing the clown costume on the Murray on the Franklin Murray show, and one of the executives is like, "Hey, that's a political thing right now. Do are, do you understand what you're doing with that by wearing that costume?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm not political. I don't have politics. I don't have politics." And I, I just think of all like the nerds online who are like, "Ah, oh, yes, Bioshock, my favorite apolitical game." <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes. Metal Gear Solid. I love those games without politics. All the smart rich people should go off and do their smart rich people things (laughs) with no government oversight. I love apolitical media, which is, of course, all of it, uh, unless it has women and minorities. Uh, (laughs) Those are the sorts of people that look up to the Joker. Should we talk about how women and minorities are treated in this film? Oh, yeah. There's none. Oh, well, there's there's the Joker's delusion. Oh, yeah, yeah. His literal manic pixie dream girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. And her character was, this is a little bit off topic, but I do want to talk about her because her character was really odd. It was very strange. And it was pretty obvious, like, the second time you see her interacting with uh, the Joker uh, that she is his delusion. Yeah. Because she's a real person that he sees on the elevator. And then he creates this character of her in his head as somebody who is actually in love with him because, you know, he's a frighteningly accurate representation of an incel. Uh, so, yeah, what did you think of her character? Uh, I, I was just going to say that the first time they talked in the doorway, I didn't think it was a delusion yet. I thought it was just bad writing since I was so used <laughs> to bad writing in films. It was only when they kissed that I realized it was a delusion. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just... This film is really weird when it comes to depicting anybody that isn't... 
Yeah, no, she's a poorly written character that's just there to throw herself onto Arthur. But, oops, she's actually Arthur throwing himself onto Arthur. She's actually a delusion. The, and then eventually he breaks into her apartment later on, and then you have the flashback where it's like, I oh, no, she flashback. was dead for 50 years in his brain. <laughs> she was not here the whole time. Wow, what a twist movie. Never could have figured that one out. Great work, Todd. <laughs> great work, Todd. Real great. You wasted this character. And... Really, as as like an actress, she doesn't do a bad job. No, in the, like no. the couple of scenes and like the three lines she has, mm. uh, I would have liked to see a better depiction of how a normal person would go about interacting with the Joker in like a more positive fashion. Because most of the film, you see a lot of characters, but they all treat him like trash, and that's you know part of it. That's a part of him. His rant at the end of the movie, where he's like, "Ah, nobody sees me. Nobody sees clowns." I want my death to mean more than my life. I, hope I want my death to make more sense than my life. It is in his diary that he has written on his MySpace page. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it. you see all these characters and they all treat him awfully. Even his own mom treats him terribly. And that's one of the big reveals in the movie is that his mom was abusive. Mm. Uh, and she's delusional, as delusional as he is. Uh, you know, Thomas Wayne, of course, treats him like trash. Uh, to be fair, give Thomas Wayne a break there. You just saw a crazy man stare at him pee in a restroom. That, you know, I don't like people staring at me peeing in and a restroom. And he just found out he also went to his house and just put his hands on Strangled his Strangled his butler yeah, like, in front of his kid. That's you're not, not walking in there, like, squeaky clean. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it... I would have really liked to have that sort of, like, more positive, like, influence on on Joker and uh, Arthur Fleck as a character, because I think it would have given a little more depth to him. Uh, although, at that point, they probably would have just killed her off. Oh, yeah. They would have uh, sure. 100% killed her off. Reverse you know? Batman, you know. Yeah, you know. Uh, he goes angry because she dead, because that's all women are used for, is they use as plot devices. <laughs> of course. Thank you, Todd Phillips. Uh <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the women in the Hangover movies are not treated much better. <laughs> oh, we don't need to talk about the Hangover movies. <laughs> but getting back to Todd Phillips, and I think we briefly touched upon this, but you know what sort of what sort of aspects just feel like Phillips projecting onto the character into the writing? I know you've mentioned his rant at the end. You know, can't do be funny anymore. No one's funny. Comedy's dead because of libs. He's trying to entertain a kid on the bus, but her his her mom's like, get away from me, you sick clown man. As the average New York person, you know. Yeah, because you know. Well, when... no, it's Gotham, and they're super rats. Oh, so Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <'cause... laughs> Why weren't there any super rats in this movie? Yeah, they showed up at the end. If you show they up a only... super, if you mention a super rat in Act One, you need to pay off with a super rat no, in Act Three. No, the soup, the super rats were there in the background after Thomas and Martha Wayne died. You can see oh, some super rats moving. They started in the nibbling on their fingers. No, I yeah, I saw that. I saw the super rats. I was like, wow, they're back. I didn't think they'd actually show up again, but there <laughs> and, they were. And that's what inspired young Bruce Wayne to become Super Rat Man. <laughs> he became Rat Man. <laughs> He, he just he wrote the wrong letter in, right. when he, in his like four, four year old diary he thought it was an R but it was a B and he just had to commit to it at that point <laughs> Master Wayne are you sure about this yes Alfred red man <laughs> wow <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, overall you know, we'll get into our final thoughts later but uh, we should, of course, touch upon some of the controversy with the film. Because this film 
could have come at a better time, to say the least. Uh, it's only been in, it was only in like actual production for around two years now, although it was an idea that Todd Phillips had since 2014, 2015. Uh, many very online people were concerned about a movie about the Joker, who in recent years, the Joker has become a symbol of white male violence online, getting a film possibly glorifying his actions. Uh, th and this year has been particularly bad in terms of such acts of white male violence. Uh, Christchurch, El Paso, Dayton, Ohio, uh, a whole slew of... The garlic shooting. Oh, yeah. Just, it gets worse, and it's still happening. And, these sort and that's not even including uh, one of the theaters that was particularly concerned, uh, the Aurora Theater, oh. a few years back when there was a shooting there uh, following or before following the Dark Knight Rises uh, screening, which was particularly terrifying for a lot of people. And it's tragic to hear all these terrible things and then to see Mr. Clown Man coming up being like, ah, yes, violence. The uh, key to society. And, you know, here's a quote from, one of, from the mother of one of the victims of the Aurora Theater shooting. Uh, her concerns when she sent a letter to Warner Brothers about the movie... My worry is that is that one person who may be out there, and who knows if it is just one, who is on the edge, who is wanting to be a mass shooter, may be encouraged by this movie, and that terrifies me. And there were even reports of undercover cops. <laughs> reports. I say reports as if we didn't have a, an actual. We saw them. We, under... had, we had two patrol cars literally in the right beside us. Yeah, there was there was one guy, an actual undercover state trooper, in our theater. So. It's not just like uh, talks. It's not reports. We saw it with our two eyes. Maybe he was just there to see the movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was in his squad car, you know, that he takes to go yeah, out yeah, to it's, casual it's a Weird flex, but okay. You know? <laughs> you know? And the gun that he had, you know, very impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and so the, some of these sort of cops were assigned to screenings of Joker in New York and presumably other places uh, following threats of violence made online. Uh, However, what's interesting is that a week has passed and the worst that has come out of the Joker screenings has been two guys getting arrested for sh smoking and being loud. And I did see that online a guy got his was banned from AMC theaters for posting a picture where he put up a flyer saying that there's a single only <laughs> policy. And then immediately after he got an email saying that his A-list was terminated and he wasn't allowed out of theaters, like, man, this was my favorite theater company. Movies were the, the only thing in my life. What am I going to do now? <laughs> actual, actual jokes. Actual jokers out there. Uh, so a lot of people have been saying that maybe the media overreacted. And, you know, the fact that it doesn't have a perfect 100 on Rotten Tomatoes is, of course, again, the anti-DC bias uh, and all the controversy. Do you think that these controversies may have clouded the judgment of some critics of the film? I will admit that c coming into the film's release, I had the feeling that this movie could, you know, had the potential to inspire violence. However, I do feel that perhaps our media latched onto this narrative that, you know, this could inspire a shooting perhaps too much, almost to the sense where it would make one feel as if they were trying to will it into existence. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's face it, we all need a distraction in our current political climate. <laughs>
Uh, uh, don't know about that one. Me neither. Uh, cut that one out. Uh, <laughs> what about you? What, do you? what about you, Nick? Did it clout? Because again, you said you didn't really hear about Todd Phillips's comments. Did you know about the controversy going into it? I think I don't remember if we discussed it or not before the movie. We did a little bit. We did a little bit. Okay. Uh, did that affect any of your judgment of the film? Like initially seeing it? Uh, no, it did not. Okay. Um, I don't. I didn't view that the movie could inspire violence as much. Because if someone says that a movie can inspire inspire violence like it has to be like really open about it like because then i would say well those same people will say video games do not inspire violence which i believe too so i don't believe there's a medium like that unless it's like truly saying hey go out and murder people do it right now that can truly inspire yeah. that type of violence yeah the only people who can inspire that type of violence are talking head politicians like ben shapiro <laughs> uh oh ooh, did you see that today oh yeah, yeah oh did that. you see that today? i swear to god if you make me want to raise my kids gay i will literally take a gun i don't want my kids to be raised by better o'rourke so i'm gonna take a gun and i'm gonna hold it right up next to him and i'm gonna be like what now i'm a big man i'm a big boy should i should i head out now like <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh I feel like it's gonna get heated here oh no debate me that was that was my one that was our one uh political reference because input two is of course not political oh no no uh, i've declared it so yeah. it's true uh we're all white males here so we're not political i'm a redhead though that's our diversity <laughs> that's, is that diversity i'm is it? i'm bi does that count i don't know i mean i'm i'm a straight male i'm maybe agnostic so i guess <laughs> oh that's oh yeah the oppression is wild oh right no here. jokers are wild we're, we're all jokers here uh so yeah, with everything surrounding this movie in mind, getting back on topic, we got a little <laughs> off topic there. Uh, getting back on topic, with everything surrounding the film in mind, there have been even been talks of Oscar voters not wanting it to be in contention due to its content. Is that a valid concern? Well, if the content is bad, I mean, yeah. <laughs> is, I mean, is it bad? If yes. it's not a very good movie, then I mean. Yeah, so. It, but in terms of, like, let's say that this movie was the 10 out of 10 IGN gave it. And the only thing preventing it from being on the award stage was the fact of all the controversy with it and the violence in the movie. Is that fair? No. Okay. Yeah, I would say that it's not fair either. Uh, why? Why do? You, why do you believe that? I mean, I, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but go as, into it a little bit. As much as I felt that this film could have inspired violence, I personally, I, I agree with the fact that. There's this weird misattribution factor where people tend to believe that our media can inspire people to go out and commit grand, you know, massive murders or grand theft auto or make them think that they can jump on a mushroom and hit a block. <laughs> and whilst there are individuals in our society that have the potential to be affected in that way, that is a, you know, the idea that that could affect all of our, that, that could, it could affect anybody, you know, our children, you know. It's just, it's wrong. What yeah. about you? It, it truly is a, a people problem. It's not something that I feel like the controversy around the movie. Like, I don't think it deserves to not be like uh, be able to be nominated. It's it's truly a people issue, not a media film uh, issue. You know. Yeah, and you know there are Tarantino films, Quentin Tarantino films, very well known for the graphic content within them, and those have been nominated. Those have I don't know if. I, I, they've probably won. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't actually know, but presumably they've been at least nominated. Uh, and I imagine Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will get nominated this year. Uh, do you think Joker will get nominated? It, I stand by the fact that this film is probably going to be this year's Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, this is going to be in Bohemian all that Rhapsody? Implies. Oh, no. 
I didn't like that movie. Oh, no, I didn't like it either. We were there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I hate to say it, but I do think it's going to get nominated. It's going to get nominated for uh, Best Lead Actor, I think. Best Lead Actor. Oh, I, you know what? I could see it for Best Lead Actor. If it gets it's Best not Makeup. Win, but it'll get nominated. <laughs> best Makeup? Oh, yeah. I mean, Harley Quinn with two different colors of pigtails won that one year, so. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Suicide Squad is an Academy Award winning film. As we know. 2016 was the worst year on record. <laughs> 2016. Just the worst. It's just everything about it was Everything awful. went wrong. I think gaming was okay. Uh, didn't Battlefront uh, come out that year, though? I don't know. What game? Uh, Battlefront? Battlefront. Oh, Star uh, Wars? Yeah. Oh, oh, Star Wars uh, is happening. Movie-related things. Star Wars is happening this year, and I'm really oh, not excited no. for it. But, uh, so let's get back once again to Joker. Final thoughts. Do we live in a society? Oh my gosh. Do you believe in the Joker? What he says. What is the Joker's trick? <laughs> Do we live in a society? The trick is that I I lost two hours of my life to this film, so therefore I must live in a society. One hour less than it chapter two though. Well, so that was worth at least I can say that Joker is a better dancing clown movie than it too. <laughs> and I at least give it the, the leg up above Jared Leto because he actually tells a joke. That is true. Like a singular joke. He tells one joke. And the punchline isn't very funny. It's blood. That's fun, though. I say it's bloody good humor. Um, mm. <laughs> I know. I, I don't apologize at all. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I would say that... Uh, it's better than Jared Leto. Easily better than Jared Leto. Everything is. I that that one guy who did who had this like awful Joker audition posted on like oh. I'm the Joker baby. That guy. I'm the Joker baby. He was better than Jared Leto. Wait, okay. Why do I keep thinking he has an Italian accent when I watch that video? Here, here's the bigger question. Here's the bigger question. Is Melvin the brother of the Joker, noted brother of the Joker? I cannot believe you. This is a getting... better Joker than Jared Leto. I'm gonna request to edit this just so I can cut that out. Well, <laughs> I, I guess if there's nothing else to say for uh, for this fantastic movie, I will say, because I haven't really done a lot of talking about Joker, uh, I am have, I have had a lot of trouble uh, separating this the art from the artist in this case, because when I see this movie, I see a lot of Todd Phillips' angst. I see a lot of his frustration with being able to make comedies that people like just because he's not funny. Uh, and he interprets that as, oh, people don't like me because they're too sensitive. Uh, they don't understand me. They don't understand my voice, my talent. Uh, you have no talent. Uh, but I see a lot of great things with this movie. I think if I watched it again like you did, uh, I probably would have a much better interpretation, like a much better visual of the movie. I think it will be remembered more fondly by the people who are criticizing it now than in uh, other movies who are in similar situations. Just because it has a lot of controversy around it. Once that controversy dies down, we'll be a lot of people will be able to look back at the movie at Joker and be like, okay, yeah, that was a really interesting character study. It was a little grim dark, a little bit too much, a little bit heavy at times, but it knew what it was doing and it did it fairly well. Uh, those are my thoughts, at least. Uh, and yes, we do live in a society. So that'll be it for this episode of Input 2. I have been your host, Tanner Kenny, and with me today, I have had... Trevor Sheffield. Nick Black. Uh, if you like this episode, 
feel free to check out our content on bytebsu.com. We have a number of different articles, features, reviews, news, videos. Uh, if you want to see more of our videos, subscribe to our YouTube channel, ByteBSU. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, at ByteBSU. Uh, and feel free, if you enjoyed this episode, to come back and check out more Input 2 next week. Thank you all for listening.